Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Happy Wednesday. Bobby LaMarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor, back with us today. I am your host, Sky of the TCK Pod, a.k.a. Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Today, this is episode 282. We are breaking down the early slate on Sunday, and tomorrow we'll be breaking down the later slate, per usual. But before that, let's welcome back Bobby LaMarco. Bobby, how you doing, buddy? Sky, I'm good, man. Ready to talk about week six. Excellent. Excellent. Let's, let's dive right in, man. It's been a kind of a whirlwind. We had a Tuesday night game. Um, we haven't, uh, I haven't recapped that obviously because uh, usually, you know, we have Monday night and then I get an episode out Tuesday real quick. Yeah. Um, Titans get a big W over the bills. Ryan Tannehill looks fantastic. Johnu Smith with two touchdowns, Derek Henry with two touchdowns. AJ Brown caught a touchdown immediately on that offense. That defense was great with three turnovers. The Bills, on the other hand, couldn't get it started. Um, they were getting pretty beat up in the in the uh, trenches there. Three turn- turnovers for Josh Allen, a few sacks. He did have a score, but uh, you know, big big day in PPR leagues for Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis was busy as well. Dawson Knox had a couple runs, but man, they just can't get a run game going. Of course, we also have breaking news during that game that, you know, is not breaking necessarily now, but uh, Le'Veon Bell released by the New York Jets. Um, quick thoughts on that. How you feel about that for fantasy, for NFL purposes? I think everybody's kind of breathing a sigh of relief. Like we knew this was coming, but we all thought he was going to get traded. Now he gets released. Like that, that is, that's unique to me that they just cut ties with them. Um, so I'm surprised that that happened there. Obviously he's a free agent. He should get picked up right away. Yeah. Trying to think of a couple uh, options of where he might fall. We don't have to speculate on that per se because it's so fresh, but I did want to just, you know, if you have him on your roster, uh, Bobby, he was out for three weeks. He comes back. Now people are asking, do you start him? Do you sit him? Whatever, just on production. Now he doesn't even have a team. Are you trying to buy him? Are you trying to sell him? Do you have to hold on to him? What are you doing with Le'Veon Bell now that he's a free agent? Oh, man. Uh, it's My thing with this whole question is his situation can't get worse, right? I mean, the, the Jets' run, def- run offense has been bad. They don't – their quarterback's been banged up. The offense was terrible. So, I mean, if you can get him on the cheap, but, like, what are you going to offer him? Like Jarvis Landry or someone like that to get Le'Veon Bell? I mean, I would do it. I mean, it's worth the upside, but – when you look at where he can land, I mean, where do you want to point to? I think the one place that makes kind of some sense is Pittsburgh. I mean, for him to go back to the Steelers, he can play with James Conner, but that just is going to be a mess. But at the same time, without speculating where he goes, you know, it's I don't see where he's going to go and become the lead dog right away. It just doesn't make sense. But at the same time, 
If you're talking buy and low, if you're talking about a wide receiver three you have on your roster, sure, why not throw it out there? Because the situation can't get any worse than the Jets. I totally agree. And, you know, I think he could potentially end up with the Chiefs as well. I mean, there's so many options. Yeah. I know that would not be a popular take in fantasy football uh, with CEH trying to get the work there. But, man, the Chiefs are a runner, obviously, so they could use the help. But we won't speculate on Lev yet. There's going to be more information. I'm sure he's going to get picked up pretty soon. Hold tight if you have him on your roster. If Look, if you're 4-0 or 5-0 and at this point or 4-1, and 3-2 and even, and you need a running back maybe for the stretch, make an offer. See what it is at least where he's at. Also, it sounds ridiculous, but keep an eye on your waiver wires, man. People freak out. They panic. They, yeah. they, they, uh, they drop out of spite. Keep an eye out there. You might get him for free or cheap. So we should probably Le'Veon talk Bell. about the Michael P Ryan. I mean, I think, sure. I know Frank Gore is kind of the, the, the guy who's going to be getting the volume, but Michael P Ryan is probably a, someone that you want to stash to see if they start turning towards the future. I mean, the season's kind of lost for the jets already. They drafted P Ryan, you know, they probably weren't going to keep Bell anyway at the end of the year because they had an opt-out anyway. So P. Ryan could be someone you throw on your bench to see if they start giving him more work, uh, especially because Frank Gore has not been, you know, efficient with his carries. Right. I totally agree, man. They might they might also pick up another, you know, vet as well there. I mean, there's people sprinkling around um, or could try to make a trade here as well. The deadline's in a couple weeks. So, all right, man. So Le'Veon Bell released by the Jets mid-game uh, during Tuesday Night Football. Titans get a big win there, remain undefeated. Uh, first 4-0 season since um, 2008, so they're doing very well. And the Bills, look, they're going to be just fine. They're 4-1 now. The Bills will be fine, but, man, Tennessee is legit. 16 days off, they came back with uh, pretty much no rusts, so they looked fantastic. All right, man, well, let's jump into it. We got this flow down here. We're going to do the early morning games. We've got eight of them to cover today. We're going to dive right in with the Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers. Chicago's four and one. Somehow, uh, I, I think a lot of people thought they would maybe be 500 here, but they're four and one, playing really well, doing well enough to get W's here. And the Panthers, three and two, also, I think, exceeding expectations, especially without Christian McCaffrey. Looks like he will probably not be going here in week six. Could be back in week seven. We'll see what happens there. Mike Davis has been absolutely out of his mind. Uh, DJ Moore finally scored a touchdown. Robbie Anderson is the number one right now for the Panthers. Their defense is much better than advertised as well. How do you feel about the Bears and Carolina heading into week six? Yeah, so I think really when you're looking at this matchup from the Bears side, you know, you're very excited about David Montgomery because, you know, Carolina has been completely getting torched on the ground. We just saw Todd Gurley have a very big game. We, we, told, we talked about that last week. And going to roll with this is the David Montgomery breakout game you're hoping for he's finally getting the volume the workload you know this is the week he's going to bust out you know and the thing about the Carolina defense is you know they don't seem great on paper but at the same time they've been pretty good against wide receivers but when you look at the guys that's beat them this year Mike Evans Keenan Allen so your stud wide receivers get theirs versus the Carolina Panthers so I'm still going to play Allen Robinson and I'm loving David Montgomery um, the Carolina defense, once again, has is, is been very tough against tight ends. I don't really see a, an avenue for Jimmy Graham. I, I like Jimmy Graham in games either when they're going to be throwing a lot, playing catch-up, or in really, really good matches for tight ends. He's like fringe st uh, streamer. So I'm fading uh, Jimmy Graham. I think I'm sticking with Allen Robinson and David Montgomery in this matchup on the, on the Chicago Bears side just based on the fact that what, who beats the Carolina Panthers. On the Panthers side, you know what's the crazy part is the, the Bears have been very good against uh, 
wide receivers as well. They've been shutting down a lot of key guys. The thing I worry about with the Robbie Anderson is the clear number one. I mean, we have seen this all year. The DJ Moore third round pick probably wasn't worth it. He had a great game last week, but he's not playing the Falcons this week. He's playing a much tougher defense that's very tough against outside wide receivers. Uh, we see multiple players this year struggle on the outside versus Chicago. So I, I prefer Robbie Anderson because we like we touched on last week, you know, he plays more in the slot that in about 10% more than DJ Moore. So Robbie Anderson is going to kick around. He's also the primary read for Teddy Bridgewater. And that's why I'm sticking with Robbie Anderson over DJ Moore this week. I think Anderson's still a wide receiver too. I think Moore's just a flex. I don't, I'm not really excited. The thing that who beats the, the bears is actually tight ends, but there is no notable tight end on the roster. So you're not really starting anybody, but I think that's where Mike Davis comes in. You know, those short area targets. I think Mike Davis, you're rolling with him. He's been a stud. So from this matchup, when I look at it, Allen Robinson, David Montgomery are your starts. And I also like Robbie Anderson and Mike Davis on the other side. I'm not playing Teddy Bridgewater this week. He had a great week last week, but this isn't the matchup for him even at home versus a tougher Chicago defense. Mike Davis, at least eight receptions in the games that he has covered for Christian McCaffrey. He has, he has quite literally been as good as you can possibly ask for to cover for somebody like Christian McCaffrey. I mean, nobody else is Christian McCaffrey in the NFL, except for maybe Alvin Kamara, but Mike Davis has been 90% uh, at least he is, he has done a really, really great job there. All right, man, let's move on here to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Indianapolis Colts, the Bengals, one, three, and one, the Colts, three, and two. For the Bengals, man, A.J. Green has disappeared. Uh, I, I, I see, we just talked about Lev Bell. I don't see A.J. Green getting cut per se, but I definitely see him becoming a trade conversation with the deadline coming up for sure. Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, look, he had uh, an excellent game as far as usage against the Ravens. He just didn't score. If he happened to fall in the end zone, we would have talked about him as, you know, a superior running back, getting all that work and scoring. So Joe Mixon is just fine. I think it's the last window potentially to go out and potentially get him uh, after that huge game last week and then knocking him back down to earth as far as fantasy terms go. But you might be able to scoop him one more time. So go out and try for that. On the other side with the Colts, man, Jonathan Taylor has been frustrating, but he's been good enough. He's just not getting as much work as I thought he was going to. And on the other side, T.Y. Hilton, in my opinion, has been done for weeks, but we'll see what happens against this Bengals defense that can get beat up. I'm just not sure Phillip Rivers can actually get him the ball anymore. How do we feel about the Bengals and Colts? Yeah. So when you look at the, so there were some key injuries for the Bengals defensive line and they're banged up. They lost Sam Hubbard and DJ Reader. Uh, they just got Geno Atkins back, but now they lost more guys. So this is this is a get-right game for Jonathan Taylor on the ground. I mean, last week he did look strong on his 12 carries. He had 57 yards and a score versus the Cleveland Browns, but they fell behind in that game. So he didn't have a lot of opportunity. You're not expecting that, that this week against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm riding with Jonathan Taylor. Now, I know we just talked about T.Y. Hilton, but T.Y. Hill has been a product of weird game flow. The two weeks prior to this most recent week, they blew out their opponents. They blew out Minnesota. They had big leads against the Jets, and they didn't throw at all. So then we saw this week, Hillen got it going a little bit, six for 69 uh, versus the Cleveland Browns. And then the Bengals, how you beat them is with outside receivers. You know, DJ Chark had a big game. Odell Beckham had a big game. So I'm still rolling with T.Y. Hilton. I think Hilton could be a wide receiver three this week in this matchup. And also – the, the tight end situation's a mess. But if, like I've talked about last week too, Trey Burton's running the most routes now. 
He got all the offseason buzz. He was connecting with Phillip Rivers when Doyle was out all offseason with injury. So Burton to me is someone that could be on the dart throw DFS, but also a stash if you need a tight end. But in this matchup, I really like Jonathan Taylor, and I really like T.Y. Hilton on the Colts side. And for the Bengals, the thing I'm really worried about is, you know, Joe Burrow was a pincushion last week against the Ravens. The Ravens destroyed him. And what I was thinking was they're going to be down big and they're going to throw. Well, that's not what happened. And we saw this late last season with Cincinnati when they were kind of out of it. They started running the football late in games when they were down multiple scores because they just wanted to get out of there. And I think what they're trying to do is protect Joe Burrow for the future because you saw in that game late, they were just running the football over and over and over again when they were down 27 nothing. It, it didn't make sense. So it is very worrisome for like that garbage time volume. But you're expecting this to happen again against a tough Colts defense. They're net minus eight underdogs in this game. So you're hoping that they maybe throw a little bit more uh, and they can protect Burrow enough early to where they feel comfortable to do that. But I'm not liking Joe Mixon. This is a tough run game matchup. Kareem Hunt had 20 carries, but only 72 yards last week. And he did not get in the end zone and they were up big. Now you're going to have Joe Mixon as an underdog in this game. I'm not feeling Joe Mixon that much. I think he's just an RB3 flex play. And then they're better against for outside wide receivers. So if you're looking at Tyler Boyd versus T Higgins, I do like T Higgins a little bit more. We have seen a little bit more success for guys on the outside. I mean, Jarvis Landry essentially played outside most of his snaps last week because they run a lot of two tight end sets with Njoku back in the lineup. So I do like T Higgins as once again, as a wide receiver three, same thing with Tyler Boyd. I hope that they actually play, uh, you know, throw a little bit more late in the game, but if that happens again, this is something we have to monitor because if they start running the ball late just to run out the clock, that's going to be a problem for these guys moving forward. I agree, man. I agree. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Bengals here moving forward again with A.J. Green. I do think he's potentially going to be moving on. He clearly doesn't want to be there. They don't really have a space for him. And uh, as far as the Colts go, I think they have a ton of potential. That defense has been absolutely fantastic uh, so far, and um, they have not really gotten the credit around the NFL that they deserve so far, but they have certainly been a thorn in the side for sure for fantasy performances, but also NFL terms. And they really have been arguably the number one defense outside of uh, Pittsburgh or Baltimore. So they've done a, a really exceptional job there as well. All right, let's move on here to the Detroit lions and Jacksonville Jaguars. One in three for the lions, one in four for the Jaguars. Of course, last week, the lions were on by with the Packers. Now they come back. We're, we're hoping to get, you know, Marvin Jones going. We don't know what to do in that backfield. Is it going to continue to be work share, but Adrian Peterson getting the goal line touches. Can we get DeAndre Swift moving yet? Is Carrion Johnson going to be a thing? TJ Hawkinson limited usage, but he's scoring. Marvin Jones hasn't done much yet. Kenny Galladay just about a week or two under his belt with that injury preseason. And Matt Stafford, not quite who we was hoping he would be as a late round QB. On the other side, Jacksonville Minshew had one down game, but he's been playing phenomenal. Otherwise, DJ Chark finally getting it done. LaVisca Chenault has been a really pleasant surprise. James Robinson had kind of a down week. Uh, and basically, if he doesn't score, he's you're, you're banking on volume, which he's getting, but not quite a bit last week. Um, there's a lot of question marks in this game for fantasy because I think there's a lot of people that are uh, – there's a lot of names in this game that you're thinking more or less like, well, I got him on my team. I got to start him. And these defenses are not great. So I think this could be a sneaky shootout here. Yeah, so when you look at the Jaguars, they're very banged up in the secondary. So their stud rookie, Henderson, was out last week. And we saw Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller take full advantage of that as the Texans dominated. And, and Deshaun Watson was huge, 353 touchdowns in that matchup. 
So that's interesting. If those guys, we know DJ Hayden is going to be out. So that's their primary slot guy. Um, now, when you're, you're not looking for Danny Amendola, but it's just notable for a guy like um, Kenny Galladay, who does kick in the slot a decent amount. So I love Kenny G in this matchup. Even if, if Henderson plays, I am, I'm still on Kenny G because we just saw such big games from Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller last week against the Jaguars. Um, the ground game, too. So this is tough because, you know, when you're looking at Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson, so when you're looking that has young running backs like they do you know by a week they come out and they try to get the young guys going but the thing is adrian peterson's still good like he's still effective and this is a great matchup for him on the ground and i'm i'm actually debating starting him in one of my leagues that i have him because i know that he can beat this team on the ground he's that good and the jaguars did not look they made david johnson had 17 carries for 96 yards last week that's, that's huge for David Johnson, who hasn't looked great as a runner this season. So I like Adrian Peterson. He is a risk because we don't know if they're going to get the young guys involved, but I think I'm rolling with him. And then, of course, TJ Hawkinson. Jacksonville is not good at covering the tight end. They've been bad all year. We just saw Darren Fells get a 50, uh, 57 yards and a touchdown last week. So I really like TJ Hawkinson. I'm rolling with Kenny G. And I also like um, Adrian Peterson in this matchup. Now, DeAndre Swift and Kerryon Johnson, to me, is, is going to be tough to figure out. Swift is definitely the passing down back, but I just don't think Jacksonville offers that imposing offense that you're going to be playing catch up. So I'm probably staying away from those guys on the other side of the football. Uh, the injury to DJ Chark is going to be something we have to monitor. Of course, we record this on Tuesday, but Levitus Sunol, I've been someone I haven't been that excited about all year, but this is a great matchup for him against Detroit. Detroit has not been good against wide receivers this season. So if DJ Chark is out, I actually am on Lucas uh, Chenault. I also like Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole finds his way into the end zone. He was, he had six targets last week. So if Chark is out, I like Chenault. And I also think, uh, Keelan Cole could be someone that's on the fantasy radar in this matchup, but of anybody, it's James Robinson. I mean, this is the smash running back play of the week. I mean, according to success rate modeling with football outsiders, this is the number one matchup. It's Jacksonville's run game versus Detroit's run defense. So Robinson, try to get him in your DFS lines. I love him this week. I'm not too high on the quarterbacks because when I look at the actual pass volume for these defenses, they're both very low pass. Uh, defenses overall but if you see the injuries later this week if we know Henderson's going to be out I actually think that's going to boost it's going to be something similar to what we saw with the Houston Texans so I think you could probably roll with Stafford maybe even throw Minshew in there who had 300 yards and two touchdowns himself against great and I like that I like those matchups when they're the super flex quarterbacks have a chance to be you know that top 12 option there just because of the matchup so as you mentioned Stafford and Minshew available there yeah Chark has been frustrating man he was uh you know I know our, our boys at the commission at least Chris on that side had him as a top 15 wide receiver I think everybody had him as a kind of a breakout wide receiver too at least and uh, he's just been frustrating with that injury but I think this is a good play for James Robinson all right let's move on to the Falcons and the Minnesota Vikings man I don't know that you could have told anybody heading into week six, that when these teams play each other, they are a combined record of one and nine. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable, man. The Falcons have not won a game yet. Dan Quinn gets fired. Dimitrov gets fired. They head to Minnesota, who has been much, much, much better than one and four, but they've won one game. They lose Dalvin Cook, hypothetically. We'll see what happens. But with a groin injury, they can potentially beat the Falcons at home without Dalvin Cook. They basically have 95% of Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. 
they could just beat him into submission and win that game. They hit a bye next week and get Dalvin Cook back in week eight. I think that's what they would do. So fire up Alexander Madison. But yeah. on the Falcons side, man, Julio Jones can't get right. Calvin Ridley did not have a catch two weeks ago, comes back. He is still Calvin Ridley. Let's not worry about that. little concerned about Hayden Hurst, though, man. And I know that you and I talk tight ends a lot at the beginning of the season here. So I want to get your take on, on how Hayden Hurst is, is doing right now because a lot of people, including us, had him high, and it's just not developing yet without Julio Jones. Russell Gage has been frustrating. But Todd Gurley, man, turning back the clock, the number two running back in fantasy football this week, uh, or last week, I should say, fantastic. Um, and we'll see what Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen can do as a top receiver there. And I do think that Justin Jefferson can get loose for another couple of big ones. So, again, another shootout for NFL purposes, and I think it could be another shootout for fantasy football here with the Falcons and Vikings. Yeah, I agree. I agree with this one. I, I do like this game. Uh, Atlanta sees a lot of dropbacks on defense. I love that pass volume projection. Uh, same with Minnesota. So this is a good pass volume projection game for the defensive side of the ball. So these defenses see a lot of pass volume. So I like that. Now, when you're looking at the actual plays, you know, Russell Gage got banged up. Julio Jones is banged up. So you're rolling with Calvin Ridley, of course. And I think this is a good get right spot for Hayden Hurst. Uh, the Vikings have been susceptible to good tight ends this season. So I do I think Hayden Hurst can be a play in this one. Unfortunately, Hayden Hurst isn't the stud we thought he was going to be. Russell Gage has been a third side of fantasy owners because Gage has really taken on a bigger role and this offense hasn't been as good as it was last year to carry four pass catchers consistently so you know I do think Hayden Hurst when he see you have a good matchup and a team that could score as well so I think I'm rolling with Hayden Hurst especially with Gage banged up and also Julio Jones of course you're playing um, Calvin Ridley I think another thing your question is do you want to play Matt Ryan? I think these are the good matchups for Matt Ryan. So I would play Matt Ryan. Of course, you want to see his pass catchers healthy. I think that if Julio's in there and Russell Gage and he's got all his weapons, I think I'm rolling with Matt Ryan. If Julio is out, he hasn't really looked like he can support QB1 value consistently without all his weapons. It doesn't seem like he's clicking with Hayden Hurst like you just brought up. Todd Gurley doesn't seem to be the same pass catcher he once was either. So I think Matt Ryan, it's very contingent on his weapons. And if they're on the field, you play him. If they're not, I think I would fade them, find somebody else to stream. But I think in this one for the Falcons, you're rolling with Hayden Hurst, Calvin Ridley, and Todd Gurley, of course, in this game. So I do think those three guys are starts. On the Vikings side, Irv Smith became the thing last week. So big Irv. Back on the fantasy scene, you know, he had he didn't have a big fantasy day, but he was an impact. He had, you know, four catches in that game. And that kind of put a thorn inside of Justin Jefferson. So we saw Adam Thielen's uh, reception skyrocket last week. And Justin Jefferson kind of took a back seat because he became more like Irv Smith and him were the two, uh, two A and two B to Adam Thielen's number one. But it is notable because Atlanta is terrible at covering tight ends. So Irv Smith, he ran more routes. He was on the field a lot last week. I think he's someone that could be a dark horse wide receiver, uh, tight end one this week. So I like kind of Irv Smith. I was high on him earlier in the season. I like They were using him as a glorified slot receiver in 2019. So, you know, this could be a thing. They could start using him more. He did run a lot of routes in week five. So I think I'm on Irv Smith as a DFS sleeper, maybe even a tight end one if you're someone that needs a tight end filler. Of course, you're starting dealing. Madison, if he plays. Cousins, to me, is always the type of guy, if you if the other team is a high-volume offense, that you can play him. He wasn't that good last week against Seattle for fantasy purposes um, because Minnesota got out to that big lead. So do does that happen again? It's possible. Also, Madison isn't as good as a pass catcher 
as Dalvin Cook. So that could affect Kirk Cousins, but it also could really help a guy like Irv Smith. So I think you're starting Adam Thielen. I do like Irv Smith and Justin Jefferson. You have to continue to roll with him. Just because he had one bad game doesn't mean you fade the guy who was red hot for two weeks prior. I like it, man. That's a great breakdown. And, and uh, Alexander, Alexander Madison is definitely the number one waiver priority if available for this week. And you should have him anyway. He's probably – He's owned in most leagues, but not all leagues. So he could be yeah. available in your league. And if he is available, you have to grab him, even if it's a one-week rental. Uh, and if you're the cook owner, I okay. highly suggest you go uh, acquire him. Um, was, you know. Can I just say so real quick, man? I, I am the cook owner in one of my leagues, and I didn't have Madison. I, I dropped him earlier in the week. And then it's Yahoo, so I was going to pick him up later. And I looked down on my phone, and I realized I was two minutes late when I looked down on my phone, and the game already started. And I'm like, no. And then, of course, it's oh. hurting the game, and I'm like, no! It was horrible, man. So, so, so now you gotta, so now yeah. you got to get back into the waiver pool. Yep, yep. B- brutal, Let's brutal. Learn. Yeah, hopefully a big game there, and uh, hopefully, you know, I, I think there's going to be fireworks throughout this game no matter what. But, man, crazy situation there. We got another game coming up after the break here that is another 1-9 and nine matchup between Washington and the New York football giants. But before that, let's take a quick commercial break. This is episode 282 of the TZK Pod, a.k.a. Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please leave a rate and review wherever you're listening to the podcast. We do appreciate it. It literally takes one minute, helps us out. A five-star review would be amazing. Tell a friend, tell a family member, let us help you help them and get some street cred absolutely with your team's Find us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Also our website has our rankings and our articles, TCK Bobby, please let us know where we can find all the X factor stuff as well. Yeah. You can follow me on Instagram at fantasy football X factor on YouTube and also on in Twitter at FF X factor. I also write an article for sh- uh, the shadow covers report where I go over cornerback wide receiver matchups on football.rasball.com. And then I also write an opportunities analysis for expand the box score. You can find that every Saturday, every week on expandtheboxscore.com. Huge analytical breakdowns, folks. If you, if you're really into the numbers, you're a nerd. Like we are, you know how we run things here on the TCK pod. We're very numbers based, analytically based with our research. Uh, please make sure you go check out those as well and give X factor a follow on the social medias. All right, man, let's dive into the second half of these games here. Washington football team one and four. Going against the New York Giants, 0-5. Man, this game is rough. Highlight real quick, i got to give a shout-out to my boy Alex Smith, who I have been terrified to even see him play, but he did get his first snaps. Uh, It wasn't pretty. Um, He got sacked a ton, uh, but he was out there, and I appreciate that. I do believe that as long as Kyle Allen is healthy, he will be the guy to go to, though. Antonio Gibson, a down week, but I think he'll be okay. If you're in a pinch, J.D. McKissick made my waiver wire article this week. He could be just fine there potentially as a poor man, James White. Terry McLaurin's automatic there. I want to hear about your boy Logan Thomas, too. We might have to officially retire him. On the other side with uh, Daniel Jones, man, it should start picking up here. Lucas and I talked endlessly this summer about Deshaun Watson and uh, Daniel Jones specifically about their really tough schedule heading into the season. We are starting to turn the corner on both of those guys. We saw Deshaun Watson finally get rid of Bill O'Brien, but also turn the corner in um, matchups, and he did really well last week. Daniel Jones, I think, is going to turn the corner eventually here, and Freeman has stepped in pretty well. He's obviously not Saquon Barkley, but he has done pretty well. 
the nitney of receivers i think just gets in their way darius slayton's the only one there i want Evan Ingram is all sorts of talent, but he's just kind of a, a pain in the ass, frankly, at this point. Um, I'm just not excited to fire up anybody in this matchup outside of potentially Slayton for the Giants and Antonio Gibson for Washington. But is there anybody else maybe I should be more confident of? So this game, it's interesting because these two D teams are losing football teams and they don't see a lot of pass volume throughout the season because they're down so much and teams are running against them. So this week they're going to be able to show their skills and maybe a little bit more pass volume because they'll be in a competitive football game uh, from the defensive side of the football. So when you're looking at these teams, it looks so much better than they are. Like the Washington football team looks very good against wide receivers, but like I said, they don't see a lot of volume. So last week they got beat by Robert Woods for four for 71 and one. So let's, let's focus on the giants first. So I think the biggest takeaway from the giants is you're rolling with Slayton and you're rolling with Evan Ingram. These two guys have fantastic matchups, especially for outside wide receivers. Like I just touched on Woods just beat them last week. Um, you know, it's, it's the different topic, but we saw, you know, Gerald Everett do pretty well against this defense, which, Higby owners must be losing their mind. But anyway, so I think you're going to roll with Evan Ingram because we just saw Everett do so well against this Washington football team. We also saw Robert Woods do well. Like I just touched on. I'm not really too excited for Golden Tate. He's kind of a boring PPR play. He'll get you four to five receptions every week. But I like to play Golden Tate if they're going to be catching up in points, uh, playing from behind, throwing a lot. I don't see that happening against the Washington football team. So I'm rolling with Slayton, and I'm rolling with Evan Ingram. I think Devonta Freeman, the good news is he's the clear number one now. He got 17 carries last week. He got in the end zone against the Dallas Cowboys. But the Washington football team, they're getting healthy, and they're very good up front. This is a mismatch for that defensive line versus that offensive line. So Freeman's going to have to get it done with a combination of catches and also rushing and maybe a touchdown. But at the same time, I'm not super excited to start Freeman against a very good front with the Washington football team. So I think it's really Slayton and Ingram are my main two guys from the Giants side. And as for the Washington football team now, it's a very excited about Antonio Gibson. He's starting to look really good. Um, you know, the running game has not clicked yet. He had only 11 carries for 27 yards last week against the Rams. The Giants are – you know, they're okay against the run, actually. And Ezekiel had 19 carries for 91 yards and two scores. So you you got to think that Gibson is going to be able to get something done on the ground versus this Giants team. But the Giants get beat by wide receivers. So, you know, last week we saw CeeDee Lamb completely dominate this team. We've seen a lot of um, wide receivers that go into the slot dominate. Now, this is very important because Terry McLaurin is going to see a lot of James Bradbury. James Bradbury is playing at a high level. And he just shut down Amari Cooper for two for 23 last week in a game where, you know, those guys threw a bunch in that game. So I, I, I am a little concerned for Terry McLaurin in the sense that you're not going to play him in DFS, but uh, in season long, he might be just a wide receiver three slash flex this week against James Bradbury. He does kick enough inside maybe to get away, but this is going to be a big red flag because then who's going to be the other guy to step up last week. We did not see anybody do it. Logan Thomas has completely struggled four targets, only one reception. And then outside of that, you know, Isaiah Wright, who's this new guy that's starting a lot, only one catch last week. So, you know, really the running backs started getting more work. So that's good news because the Giants are very bad against pass catching running backs. So I think J.D. McKissick, if he just touched on, he could be a good PPR asset this week. He did have six receptions against the Rams. But I think Antonio Gibson is going to be the guy that you, you get excited about, especially if James Bradbury is able to slow down Terry McLaurin. And McLaurin's not going to have the garbage time that he had against Arizona, for example, when he faced Patrick Peterson. They were down three touchdowns. He got six, 60 yards and a touchdown in the fourth quarter. So 
McLaurin to me is like a wide receiver three size flex at best. I think from the Washington football team side, I'm only focused on Antonio Gibson. I agree. I think that's a great point because this Giants defense in general has been pretty bad, but their secondary, especially Bradbury, have have done really well each week. Uh, so be careful there with uh, Terry McLaurin. It's going to be hard to sit him uh, for other weapons here, right. especially with four teams on by. However, uh, he is definitely um, – I don't expect a huge game out of him. I'll put it that way. All right, let's move on to Baltimore and Philadelphia. The Ravens 4-1, and one, Philadelphia 1-3-1. One, for the Ravens side, you know, Lamar Jackson hasn't been Lamar Jackson. He's on pace for about half the rushing yards he had last year, but obviously you're starting him. He might be potentially a buy low if he just lost <laughs> Dak Prescott. Now buying low for Lamar Jackson is still a haul, <laughs> but it's not yeah. unachievable. I guess I'll put it that way. Uh, Mark Ingram, I guess you got to keep firing him up, but man, J.K. Dobbins, we're all just, just waiting his turn. Hollywood Brown and um, – Mark Andrews looking a lot better with some volume. Finally, Mark Andrews, six targets, five receptions, a touchdown. We like to see that. He's been getting this like two catches on three targets situation. He's been scoring, but we can't bank on that. We, we like a, obviously more than five targets there for the tight end. On the other side for Philadelphia, man, you know, it's going to be tough. I mean, Miles Sanders had a 74-yard run, and then he had six yeah. yards the rest of the game. You know, I mean, we can't rely on that. Uh, Zach Ertz has certainly not been Zach Ertz. Uh, about 15 receiving yards total um, the last uh, two games. They still have no weapons in the uh, wide receiver core. Deshaun Jackson out. Um, Alshon Jeffrey might return. He was ill last week, not COVID related, but he did not play. Um, they could potentially, you know, get some, get some rep out of Fulgham, but you know, we'll see if, uh, if he is going to be the real deal, he's been real nice. Uh, 16 targets and 200 plus yards over the last two weeks. But can we actually trust that? And, and Rager, of course, out still too. So I think, again, there might be a little bit of fool's, fool's gold in this game, especially on the Philadelphia side, because, man, this Pittsburgh defense, or I'm sorry, the uh, Baltimore defense is just uh, too raw. Yeah, and the tough part about the, the Eagles offensive line, Lane Johnson got hurt again. And now they're going to be down four starters on the offensive line against a very, very good Baltimore defense. And the Ravens just beat up on Joe Burrow. And Carson Wentz is going to be running for his life. The good news for Carson Wentz is the status of Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. They were starting the practice last week on a limited basis, so they should be able to return, which is going to be good news. But that's the problem. The Fulgrim, the J.J. Sega, Whiteside, the Greg Wards. Now it gets muddied. And I think you're going to look at Alshon Jeffrey and you're looking at Deshaun Jackson as the primary guys now. So I know the Fulgrim thing was awesome. Ten for 152 and one. I think that's a notable takeaway about Pittsburgh, which when we get to them, we'll talk about how they can be beaten by outside receivers. But anyway, I think when we focus on just the uh, the Ravens, so let's focus on the Ravens first offensively. Obviously, Lamar Jackson you're rolling with, but when you look at who beats the Eagles, it's tight ends. I mean, tight ends have been very good against them. And, you know, you're right. Uh, we did pick Ebron over Ertz last week. Even though Ebron fumbled, he still had five for 43 versus one for six for Ertz. Uh, so I think when you look at the who beats the Eagles, even though Ebron didn't have a monster game and that fumble makes the game look worse, I think you're still rolling with Mark Andrews. He should have a very big game in this one. I think, you know, Darius Slay versus Mar uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown. So Slay has been a new shadow corner this year. He's been fantastic in coverage uh, pretty much across the – I think he was going to start on DeAndre, Deontay Johnson, but then sure enough – he doesn't, and then Chase Claypool goes off, but Slayton probably was – I mean, Slay wasn't shadowing 
Claypool. So I think Marquise Hollywood Brown's going to have a tougher day against Darius Slay. But I think that's notable because then outside receivers can beat the Eagles. We just saw Chase Claypool just go bananas against them. We also saw T. Higgins have two touchdowns against them when A.J. Green was being shadowed by Darius Slay. So who is that? Is it Miles Boykins? I think Boykins to me, Boykin could be like this weird DFS dart throw. If you're desperate with all the guys on by and you're, if you're in a deeper league, I think Boykin could be on the fantasy radar because we've seen these outside receivers, not the main ones, do very well against this Eagles secondary because of Darius Slay. Uh, and then Mark Ingram, that met, that's just a mess, man. They're just not – They the problem with Mark Ingram now is, number one, all the passing game volumes going to Dobbins. Dobbins gets all the receptions. Ingram's not being targeted at all this year. That's a huge problem. And then on top of that, they're chopping up the running back touches into three early on in the game. And then when they're up big, it goes to Gus Edwards. Last year, it was just Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram. And Mark Ingram dominated early in games. And then Gus that when they needed to. Now it's divided into three. I'm done with the Mark Ingram thing. You're banking on a touchdown or you're done. So it's going to be like 40 yards combined and a score or 40 yards combined. And that's just not going to get it done for fantasy. I'm just not interested. I have him in two leagues. I'm just hands off. I'm done. I'm not going to bother with that. And the Eagles aren't the easiest matchup for running backs either. <clears throat> On the Eagles side, I think Ertz is going to bounce back. Baltimore is not as good against tight ends as the Steelers are. I think Ertz is going to have a nice bounce back game. I think he's a great DFS play because a lot of people are going to be off of him after a very bad last week. So I think Ertz is going to bounce back, have a decent week in this one. And then when you look at the Ravens, they're actually a little bit worse against slot receivers, but then it's a real question of Deshaun Jackson and then Alshon Jeffrey, are they back? So honestly, I think the only guy I'm really interested in is Zach Ertz in the passing game. I'm probably going to just be a wait and see approach with Jeffrey and Jackson. And then Miles Sanders, like you just touched on, he had that one big run and did nothing the rest of the game. So I think when I'm looking at Miles Sanders, unfortunately, you know, with the injuries to the wide receiving core, I think that the game flow is going to help a little bit in the sense that he's going to be able to catch some passes. So, but he only had two catches last week. So I think it's, it's a risk, but you got to take the risk because he's getting in the end zone. He had two touchdowns last week. So I'm still rolling with Miles Sanders and, and, and Zach Ertz on the Eagles side. I think that's a great call, man. And honestly, uh, Miles Sanders is a sell high for me. And if, you know, look, if you need running backs, he's a top running back and I'm not saying just give him away, but uh, he is somebody that I'm looking to trade and potentially, you know, get uh, better value for if you if you can. Like if you can do Miles Sanders and somebody else and go get Zeke somehow, um, I think that would be huge right now. Obviously, it's going to be tough, but I think that would be massive right now. Or even Joe Mixon potentially for Sanders and Joe Mixon straight up. I think that'd be a good slip personally. All right, let's move into the second to last game here. We've got the Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, as, as surprising as the Falcons and the Vikings are to be one and nine collectively, this might be more surprising that the Browns and the Steelers come into this game week six and they are collectively eight and one. And of course, the Steelers had a bye week last week or two weeks ago with the Titans with the COVID situation. But the Brownies, man, four and one, and they have looked really good on both sides of the ball. They've won in shootouts. They've won in close games. They've won on defense. They've won on offense. They've run running the ball. They've run passing the ball. They've done very, very well. This game is in Pittsburgh. The Steelers also look very good. I think this is going to be an excellent game. I'm excited to to see what happens here. Just NFL stance. I think it's going to be fantastic. I am worried about the Browns all around because the Steelers defense is so dominant and especially at home. But on the other side, I think Pittsburgh, man, they could, they could potentially tear it up. So I'm a little bit worried about the Brownies, but uh, this could, this should be an excellent 
game, and there should definitely be some fantasy gold here. So what do you got between the Browns and the Steelers? Well, is Baker going to play, and is he healthy? I mean, he he hurt his shoulder last week, so that is going to be something that is notable because this is actually – for some reason, the Steelers have not been good against wide receivers. They have been – we just saw Fulgham get 10 receptions for 152, and we've seen that it being, they've been getting beat all year by wide receivers. So I really like Odell, and I really like Jarvis Landry, but I'm a little concerned because of the Baker injury. But I like Odell on this one, and I think Landry are both starts because this is a great passing volume team uh, defensive game. Like the Browns see a lot of pass volume, and the Pittsburgh Steelers see a lot of pass volume. So this game could be a very high-scoring, high-pass volume game because both these run defenses are very good. Cleveland has been very good. They just shut down uh, Jonathan Taylor. And on the other side, Miles Sanders, like we just touched on, had one big run. So these run defenses are stout. So that means a pass funnel defenses, which is great news for guys like Odell and Jarvis Landry. And plus, we just touched on Zach Ertz, one catch for six yards. Austin Hooper is going to be pretty much a non-factor. So I think all those targets are going to be funneled to those two guys. And I love them this week. I think they're both fantastic starts. And I also think Odell especially is a great DFS play. And then Kareem Hunt, you're never going to sit him. I mean, the guy's a complete workhorse. And we just saw Miles Sanders Sanders get two touchdowns. So you're not sitting Hunt. We don't need to talk about it. But – Baker, to me, watch the practice reports. If he starts getting in full practices towards the end of the week, he's on the streamer radar as a low QB1 against Pittsburgh. I think it's a fantastic matchup for him. And then for the Pittsburgh side, you know, is Deontay Johnson going to be healthy? So that's an interesting because Chase Claypool just went bananas. This is fantastic news for this team. But we have seen when you're looking at this matchup on paper, it has been very, very good for slot receivers against the Browns. The Browns are one of the worst defenses against slot receivers. So I think Juju Smith-Schuster has the biggest game of all this week. I think that's where he's going to go off because the Eagles, ironically enough, are very tough against slot receivers this season. And I, and on the flip side, Cleveland, it's a 180. So I think this week you're going to see Juju have a very big bounce back week. I love Juju. Now Chase Claypool is obviously a buy. You want him on your teams. It's great news for Big Ben. Big Ben is going to be fantastic at home. I think he can beat up on this Cleveland secondary because outside of Ward, they don't have anybody of notes. So I think Chase Claypool is on the fantasy radar, but I kind of want to see him do it with Deontay. Does that make me crazy? I want to see him do it with Deontay Johnson on the field to see if there's going to be enough volume for those guys um, in this game because also Cleveland is very bad against tight ends. So it could be Ebron's going to be another safe play. I think you can keep rolling with Ebron if you're really struggling at tight end because Cleveland is terrible against tight ends overall. So uh, that's another thing. So I think there's plenty to go around in the pass following this week. I am buying Chase Claypool. I do think you start him and roll with him, especially if Deontay Johnson is out. If Deontay Johnson is in, I think it makes things a little hazy because the pecking order for me is Juju number one. And then I would say it would probably be Deontay Johnson number two, then Chase Claypool. But at the same time, hopefully get more clarity this week. But I think you're rolling with the pass pitchers. And of course, James Conner, he's a true workhorse. You're never going to sit a workhorse um, because he's always a good bet for a touchdown, especially in this game that gets higher scoring. I agree, man. Let's let's talk really quickly before we move on to our last game. Chase Claypool on waivers, most likely in dynasty leagues. He's he's pretty much owned or managed, uh, you know, all over the place. But in redraft, he is most likely on the waiver wire. So uh, assuming Alexander Madison is not available, Chase Claypool is then my number two and really my one B pickup for this week. Absolutely. Um, now, if, if Deontay Johnson is out, then you play yeah. Chase Claypool. Absolutely. Obviously, we just saw him throw four touchdowns, three receiving, one rushing. Now, if Deontay Johnson plays this particular week at home, a division rival and Deontay Johnson beat up, 
I do think you can fire him up again. I would expect four touchdowns, clearly, but he could get you 80 and a score. And one thing we've already seen, although we had nine targets before last week, nine targets combined on the season before uh, now he caught all nine of those, which is quite impressive for one touchdown. But what we have seen is that the, you know, Big Ben likes to chuck it deep. So for the OGs that might remember Martavis Bryant or even Mike Wallace way back in the day for the Steelers, they've always kind of had that guy. Emmanuel Sanders was that guy early in his career. Of course, Antonio Brown, they need to have the field stretcher. And that is uh, a great role there for Chase Claypool. So Big Ben's going to give him four to five 40 yard bombs a game. And so far, Chase Claypool has been incredibly efficient. And obviously, he's huge, and he creates mismatches there. So Deontay's out. It's automatic. If he plays and you're stuck, I do think you can still play Chase Claypool. I might fade him in DFS because everybody's going to be drinking the Kool-Aid. But I think that, you know, you bringing up Juju instead in DFS, I think that's a nice alternative. alternative. But in in in, – Daily and seasonal leagues, I really think that you should roll uh, with you, uh, with Chase Claypool this week and just kind of uh, roll that. But again, don't be frustrated if he goes four catches for 60 yards and no scores, because I think that's ultimately going to be his role weekly. But clearly, we've seen the ceiling and he needs to be on every roster. Agreed. Great. All right, let's move into our last matchup. Houston Texans. And the Tennessee Titans, who are o or excuse me four and o, as I mentioned again, with a big win on Tuesday night over the Bills, the other undefeated or formerly undefeated, I should say, Houston Texans get rid of Bill O'Brien. They finally get their first win. They get the monkey off their back. That you know, Deshaun Watson looks good. Brandon Cooks breaks out in a huge way. Randall Cobb is still around. David Johnson, I think, is going to get better. You mentioned Darren Fells, 50-plus and a touchdown there. I think the Texans are really going to start rolling here, although this is a very tough matchup in Tennessee against a very good defense here. On the Tennessee side, man, we saw it Tuesday night, 16 games of rest. These guys were not allowed in the facility. They were mentioning on the broadcast that Ryan Tannehill and other players were literally in city parks in Nashville trying to run routes, trying to go for jogs, just trying to do something outside so they can get moving. And every individual Titan was responsible for his own workout regimen during that two-week layover because they could not be in the facility due to the COVID breakout in Tennessee. It was great to see them play. Hopefully there's no extension on this with Buffalo reading into their teams and now the Titans, of course, moving forward, yada, yada. But as far as the Titan squad, Ryan Tannehill is a weekly start, absolutely super flex automatic. But even in single QB leagues, he is he is a, a auto start at this point. I truly believe that, especially against a beat up Houston defense. Derrick Henry, automatic, obviously. AJ Brown looked great. First pass of the game was a touchdown to him. He looked good. And then Jonu Smith has really put himself on the map as well. Corey Davis out due to COVID. Not excited to play him anyway. Am I missing anybody on either one of these uh, teams here? Or can you kind of just fire up all your Titans and maybe David Johnson, definitely Deshaun Watson, but maybe not the wide receivers for Tennessee. That's kind of how I feel, or excuse me, Houston. That's kind of how I feel about it. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you this. I'm pretty excited for this game in the sense of a, a shootout because, you know, Right now, last so great example is this a division game. We have some stats from last year. You know, AJ Brown, let's see Titans at least. You know, Derrick Henry hasn't looked the same. He hasn't been as dominant as he, we've seen in the years past. 
you know, that could be a combination of a lot of things. They lost Taylor Lewan, their stud left tackle. They lost Jack Conklin, their right tackle in the offseason. So maybe their offensive line isn't as dominant. That's why we haven't seen Henry really dominate any of these games. And so maybe that's going to be good news for the volume, the pass volume in this matchup. So when you look at the Titans last year, A.J. Brown completely torched Houston. I mean, over 100 yards and a touchdown in both matchups last year in this game. So I, I love A.J. Brown in this matchup. The biggest thing for AJ, AJ Brown and John Smith is Corey Davis and, and Adam Humphreys coming back. So obviously, because they were on the COVID list, they were exempt from last game. But another thing with the Titans, we have to remember, they're on a super short week. I mean, this is talking about a Tuesday turnaround for an early one o'clock game on Sunday. This is actually very important because we always talk about short weeks for Monday night football. Now you have to take another day into this. So these guys are going to be a little banged up. Maybe it's a little bit harder for them to recover, get refreshed for this game. So that could be a little bit of a default for why you like Houston, uh, maybe a couple of their pass catchers. That's why I'm high on Will Fuller. We saw Brandon Cooks last week. Cook. I mean, the guy went eight for 161 and one. He also led the team in targets and routes. And Brandon Cooks is super talented. And I think that Brandon Cooks and Will Floor now could be a solid one-two punch. And, you know, the Houston, the one thing I will tell you about the Tennessee Titans secondary is they have savvy veteran corners, but they're not in their prime and they're not fast. So Malcolm Butler, I've talked about this. And also uh, Jonathan Joseph, fantastic corners, but they're not fast and they're not in their prime. And Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller are young, fast, and, and, and they're prime. So I think these guys are a bad matchup for the Tennessee corners. So I think Cooks and Fuller could be in your DFS lineups and in your season-long lineups this week. As for David Johnson, good matchup for him. I, I do think David Johnson, we just saw 17 for 96 against Jacksonville. I think David Johnson's kind of figuring things out on the ground. So I think you can continue to roll with him as well. The tight end position, this is a good matchup. Uh, I think if, if uh, but the thing is, is Jordan Aikens out. If Jordan Aikens is out, you could probably roll with Darren Fells again. He only had two receptions, but one went for a touchdown on in 57 yards. So I think if Aikens is out, you might be able to roll with all your pass catchers in this one because it's going to keep everyone kind of fantasy relevant. And on the Tennessee Titans side, I think we have to watch and see if Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis are cleared. But I really do like John and Smith. We have seen Houston get uh, beat by tight ends this year. So I do like John who A.J. Brown's a must start for me. Ryan Tannehill, like you said, and I don't think anybody's sitting Derrick Henry, but I really like this game for the offense in this one. Likewise, Derrick Henry, you've been scoring the last couple of weeks, but not really having huge games necessarily. Played really well against the uh, Bills defense here, and I do expect him to have a better game at home uh, in a division rival where Tennessee just needs to, again, you're, you're right, coming in on five days rest. Uh, they're coming in, and they just need to kind of beat up on the Texans limit the big plays, corral Deshaun Watson somehow and get out of there with a W. And I think they're going to rely on Derrick Henry big time for that. I think that's a great call. All right, man, that wraps up the early games. Those are the eight games there for the early slot. We do have one more, but we're going to save that for tomorrow so we can break up uh, the, um, the division of games this week. Quick reminder, we do have bye weeks. Last week we had the Packers. We had the Lions. This week, the Raiders the Chargers, the Seahawks, and the Saints. There's a lot of fantasy firepower on those teams. Again, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Seahawks, and the Saints all on a bye this week. Be careful about that. Set your rosters accordingly, and we are in the middle of bye season. Be careful of that. Think ahead. Look ahead. Make sure you pick up a DST a week early if you need to. Pick up a streamer a week early on waivers if you need to. Make sure you look ahead and always check the waiver wire after uh, waivers clear because you never know who people are going to drop. A lot of players are on bye weeks. 
They might get dropped to open up a uh, position um, that somebody needs in their dire for. So go ahead and scoop up that free money. All right, buddy, let's end the episode as we always do. Let's get your picks for the early slate here. Just a check-in really quick. Since week three, when we started keeping tabs with uh, you, Lucas, and Dweez, we have uh, just a few weeks under our belt here. I'm so far in the lead, 31 and 15. Lucas is 30 and 16 on Pickham's. You and Dweez tied at 26 and 20. So, Bobby, let's go down the early slate really quick. Let me get your Pickham's. Again, we've already been through it. No fluff. Just give me a team. Bears at Panthers. Chicago. Chicago. Cincinnati at Indianapolis. Colts. Detroit at Jacksonville. Detroit. Atlanta at Minnesota. Minnesota. Washington at New York. The Giants. Baltimore at Philly. Baltimore. Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And Houston at Tennessee. Houston. All right. I am going to go with Carolina over the Bears. I'm also going to go with the Colts. I'm going to go with Jacksonville over Detroit. Also going with Minnesota. I'll take Washington, actually, over the G-Men. I'm also going to go with Baltimore and Pittsburgh, but I'm going to take the Titans over Houston at home there. Bobby, always a pleasure, man. One more time, let the TCK Potters know where we can find the X Factor. Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor and YouTube as well. You can follow me on Twitter at FFX Factor. I also write a weekly article for football.rasball.com at the Shadow Coverage Report. Talk about top wide receiver and cornerback matchups for the week. And then I also write an co- analysis called the Opportunity Analysis on Expand the Box Score that comes out every Saturday. So go check that out there as well. We got the late games coming up tomorrow. We got Chris Benavides. Returning from the Commission FFP on Friday for the TCK Pod recap and preview. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Bobby, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. Thanks again for joining. Thank you. All right, this is episode 282. For Bobby Lamarco, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.